Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I really want to ask you a question here this morning. I want to ask you this question. After this life-changing season that we are just getting past, I want to ask you what happens next? Because we look at Easter and we celebrate, you know, all the things that God had done. And how many know that God did some wonderful things this past Easter in, in people's lives? Yes? And so some, we watch people come forward and accept Jesus. We watch, we watch people give. We watch people just do some wonderful things and God do some wonderful things in people's life. And what tends to happen sometimes is we kind of look at that. We go, nah, Easter's over. Everybody go, ah, right? But what happens next? Because there is no like, you know, now we get to be something else. It's more like we get to do Everything God called us to do and everything he put in our hearts, now we get to play our part. Because we look at Easter as all the things he has done and we take all of the onus off of ourselves just for a short season, right? We don't have to beg God for forgiveness, right? We don't have to beg God to, to excuse us. We, we just say, God, you paid it all. But then when Easter kind of processes and, you know, Jesus died and he was buried and then he resurrected. And there is a season then that we look at, we go, now what? Now what is what God is asking us? Now what are you going to do with what I told you? Now what are you going to do with every promise I had given upon you? Now what are you going to do with all the goodness of God? And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of goodness of God in my life. There's a lot of things that I experienced and I have experienced in in knowing God and following God. And it seems like every Easter, that continues to be renewed in me. And so, what happens now? uh, Truly, one thing that I feel like our um church and the church big c church right like everybody church not freedom life church only but the whole church in general i feel like god has given us a word and here it is are you ready i believe god is telling the body of christ this it's time for a change it's time now for you to enter into my purpose it's now time to take the land that i've given you to inhabit You will no longer eat manna. You will eat the good of the land. And there is some battles to be fought. But I will be with you. I will give you the victory. But you will have to engage the enemy in order to take the land. Is there anybody to get what I'm saying this morning? You see, today we take our direction from Joshua chapter 3. And I want to bring a message entitled, Step Up, Step In. Everybody say, step up, step in. Now that's two steps, right? That's like the godly two-step. Come on, somebody. Heaven's two-step says step up and step in. 
That's walking in obedience. So as we look at Joshua chapter 3, who's got their Bible? Who's got their Bible? Who's got their Bible lit up? Does it light up? Okay. Some of you, I, can, I know who has uh, like digital Bibles because all of a sudden the glory of God shines on your face. I see it. It's like the glory that all around the room. I'm like, wow, the glory is upon. Oh, no, that's a phone. That's an iPad. You think I'm joking. It's for serious. But those of you that have, uh, either way, whatever Bible you have this morning, Joshua chapter 3. And I want to get into this because I have a lot that I believe God has given me to share with you. And I don't want to just fluff you with the things that I have to say. And I want to give a little context to Joshua chapter 3. Um, we look at the context like this. Israel had this, at this point had been wandering in circles for over 40 years now. Their fathers came up. Um, their fathers had to come up. To the promise, they were supposed to come to the promised land, but they failed. And so a generation was just about over with. And now the next generation had been, uh, you know, stepping up here. And the opportunity was theirs. But because of the unbelief of their heart, many of them died away. And now Joshua is leading. Moses had passed away. And now a new generation led by Joshua had the same opportunity to cross into the promised land. And that's kind of where we find ourselves here in Joshua chapter 3. Now crossing the Jordan River, as we're going to look at here this morning, it was a key moment in Israel's history. Now hear me for a moment. This was a very key moment in Israel's history. Everybody has key moments in their lives. Everybody has moments in your lives where you have, uh, you've come to a crossroads, a place where you have, to be, you have to be in obedience and you have to walk and answer God accordingly. And so the crossing of the Red Sea, which was a different story back in Exodus, who's with me? How many know that crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan were two very different elements? Now, here's what I want to bring to you. The crossing of the Red Sea is God leading people out of their past and out of their slavery Right? Leading them out. Everybody say leading out. Right? He was leading them out of their past. Now, I I need you to understand something. When we come to the Jordan River, God is now not no longer moving them out of their past. He's now moving them forward into their future. So the splitting of the Red Sea was to escape. For God to deliver his people out of slavery. Here now we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 3. Where God is moving his people into promise. To to very similar situations. To very different approaches. How many know that running from something is not always the same as running to something? The mindset is completely different. I believe that many of us don't receive. Oh, this is good. This is good. I believe that many of us oftentimes don't receive victory because we're too busy running from instead of running to. We're approaching our life like the Red Sea when God is saying approach it like the Jordan River. It looks the same because they're crossing over. But you know what's very different? What you're headed toward. When you're running from something, you often don't know where you're running into. Okay, case in point. How many have ever came across a video on YouTube 
on social media where somebody directly runs into something painfully. Anybody? Okay. Now, put your hand down for a minute. How many of you laughed at that video? You laughed just now. But how many of you laughed at the video like that was ridiculous? You laughed. Come on, be honest. Some of you are like, I'm too holy to tell you. No, you laughed because people running into stuff, it's funny sometimes. Especially when they're cocky, right? They're like, I got this. And then you just laugh. Because you're like, dude, you kind of deserve that. Like, that was a bad idea, right? Some of you are like, yes. You deserve that. You laugh. Be- Why? Because they were too busy not realizing where they were headed. Because they were running from something or they were, their mind was preoccupied on where they were going from. That they just ran into something and you're like, you didn't really think this through, did you? Running from something isn't always like running to something. And some of us have not received victory because we're running from instead of running to. How many get what I'm saying? What I believe that God is asking for his people to do at this season, right here, right now, is run to his promise. Run to the promised land, the things that he has for you. Because we spent two years running from. As a nation, as a people, we spent two years running from, so we won't get this and we won't get that and we won't get sick and we won't die. Guess what? You're still here. I'm not trying to diminish those that may have not made the journey. But what I am trying to say is there's a season where that ends. And now we have to be a people of the mindset that I'm running to God and his promises for me. Come on. How many know we are are signing the declaration of dependence upon God? Stop thinking like you're running from and start thinking like you're running to. Joshua was a humble man who now, like his mentor Moses, understood that he could not accomplish his task without God on his side. The the most wise of the bunch are dependent upon God as their savior. Let me ask you a question. Do you try to do everything on your own on your own strength, on your own ability, or have you learned to depend on God in which our strength comes from? Now, I'll leave that to you to answer. In the meantime, let's look at Joshua chapter 3. I got a lot of text, so let me dive in. When Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove, they came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel... They lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days. Everybody say after three days. That's important. That's a very important thing. If you have, a, if you have your Bible there, you want to underline that. After three days. They camped in this place. After three days, 
that the officers went through the camp, they commanded the people saying this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. In other words, he's, you, you hear the instruction, right? You're going to get up, you're going to follow them, but you're going to give space. And you must follow them because, watch this, you have never went this way before. God has given them direction. Follow these people. They know where they're going. Trust that. And because you've never been this way before. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many know that good leadership will give you the anticipation to believe that God has great things in store for you? Right? Good leaders will do that. And he did that. So watch this. He continues to go on. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they, so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. That they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand at the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gershites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all of the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take up for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest on the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. When will the water be cut off? When the priests have done and completed their... You have to watch that. It's very important. Read that and understand that. As soon as the soles of the feet, verse 13, of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, God of the earth, shall rest in the waters. The Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from the upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp across the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of the harvest, that the waters came down from the upstream and stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. And the city that is beside Zeratan, for the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the the salt sea failed and were cut off. The people crossed over opposite 
Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on what? Dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, I need us to understand a few things. I know it's a lot of text, but I needed you to see the whole story. Um, I need you to see the whole story because I need you to understand something. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, this is the first time the ark is explicitly leading Israel in the narratives of Scripture. This is the first time we see that the ark of the covenant is being, being like that, that leading. And so God is teaching his people moving forward here. That his presence must go before us. Are you following me? His presence must go before us. And we look at this whole text. And the one of the things that it continues to teach us is that the, the Ark of the Covenant is that symbol. So there's fast food supply happening from heaven here. Right? Fast food from heaven. That's manna. Their GPS was a cloud. You know, we thought we invented the cloud, right? No, no. There was always a cloud. For 40 years, it was the same meal, every routine, every day. Why? Because consistency breeds the opportunity to believe. When God consistently works in your life, you don't have to question because he did it yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. Right? So watch this. I want to share with you a couple thoughts that I believe directives for us as believers are very important. Number one, set your eyes on the ark. Set your eyes on the ark. What does that mean? That means that we got to keep our eyes on the presence of God in our lives. God was teaching Israel, keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes because you've never went this way before. Can I have the house lights up just to hear more guys? God was teaching them something. Listen to me. God was teaching them this. Keep your eyes on me because you've never been here before. And the biggest struggle for us is, especially those of us that have been in the Lord a long time, right? You've been in the Lord for a season or two or 16 or 42. We think we figured it out. And God was telling them, keep your eyes on the ark because you've never been this way before. And it's very easy for us to look at that, that ark and think, you know, I've been this way before. I don't need the ark. But he said, keep your eyes on the ark. See, in Exodus 25, God instructed Moses to make this ark that we have uh, here. And it was a simple wooden chest about 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. 27 inches tall, and it was overlaid with gold. On the lid was the golden cherub, like angels, on each, of, uh, on each end, and they were bowing toward the center of what's called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was the place where God's manifested presence rested. So this ark represented the presence of God, and it's a, a very cherished piece an artifact because it was more than just like a place where you store your kids toys hello not that kind of chest it was so much more and and the lord told them when you see the ark of the covenant and the levites that were holding it 
They were bearing it. Set out your place. In other words, don't hesitate. Follow it. I'm telling you, look at me. Church, listen. When God moves, don't hesitate. Follow him. And you know what he says? He says this. Create a space because you have to understand. Now, why is there a space? Why does there need to be a space? I want to be at his feet. That's opposite of what, you know, we're supposed to be sitting at his feet. No, 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 no. There's, There's something to say about distance. Understanding that he's not like us. He's not like us. That respect and that fear. You know what the biggest problem with, with many people in the house of God today is? Look at me. I need you to understand this. They become so comfortable with God that they feel like they can just do whatever they want and not respect His holiness. Not respect His presence. Look at me. We have to understand that God is still God all by Himself. He don't need nobody else. So you say, Pastor Tony, that's very different than the New Testament. You know, in the New Testament, we're supposed to sit at his feet. That's the glory. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But you also have to understand that you got to fear the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom. So there's there's, there's an understanding that while I am a child of God, while I can sit at his feet, while I can come boldly before the presence of God, I also don't be like, hey, God, do this for me. Hey, God, by the way, what's your problem? Why hasn't this happened? Where have you been? As some of my friends would say, slow your roll. Settle for a minute and realize your place. That God is still supreme, sovereign creator of the universe. And there has to be a differentiation between him and me. So while I do sit at his feet, while I do expect the presence of God in my life every day, while I can come boldly, watch this, I do have to understand that he's still God and I'm still a servant of the most high God. Are you getting this? They were to follow the ark, follow the presence, three million people. That's a lot of people to keep track. One, two, party is six. Where's the Smith party of six? You got two million people, three Hello? That's a little difficult. If you ever were uh, a hostess at any restaurant, you could appreciate the fact that three million people didn't come through and you had to seat them. Come on, somebody. Or if you worked at a McDonald's and you're about to close and a bus comes up. Come on, somebody. If I could see the eyes of all the workers... And that McDonald's when a big bus, tour bus pulls up and they're like, please don't tell me you're going to come out. Please tell me you're just parking. Please tell me you're just parking. And the door opens and junior hires come pouring out. You're like, Jesus, come, come quickly. Keeping track of that many people, all of a sudden, like God was not, listen, he was not, he was keeping organization. Keep your eyes on me because a thousand, a thousand pianos tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned together. Church, we've come to a place where it's no longer about what we want to do. We have to be about the father's business. You'll hear that all this year, by the way. You're going to hear about the father's business constantly because it's not just the theme of our year. It's the theme of our heart. We have to be about the father's business. Come on, tap your neighbor. Ask them, are you about the father's business? Ask them. 
Ask them. If you're, if you're online right now, type, type it. Are you about the father's business? Type it right there. Type it in the comments. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Over and over, God taught Israel about respecting his holiness. And he also taught us to stop settling by trying to build man-made bridges. Don't settle by trying to build a man-made bridge. You know what I'm talking about? God, God can cause us to cross this Jordan, right? Or we could just build a bridge and we don't need God. How does that apply to your spirituality? I'm going to do it my way. I'm still going to get to the destination, but I'm going to do it my way. Instead of asking God for his miracle in my life, I'm just going to build a bridge. It, it, it didn't work with the tower, did it? Y'all remember the Tower of Babel? We, we want to get to heaven on our dime. We want to get to heaven in our way. That didn't work out, did it? For those of you that know your Bible, that didn't work out. They tried to build this t- And God was like, I'm not going to have that mess because you cannot come into my presence your way. So let's understand something. The master of this church is not me or any leader in this room. The master of this body is the king of kings and lord of lords who died for your sins and mine. And so he's the one we follow. And we don't build man-made bridges in this church. We depend on the presence of God and his spirit to lead us and guide us. Amen. He is going to be the one. But we got to step out and step in. Come on, somebody. We need to step out and step in. It's when we step in that that miracle takes place. That's very different than when Moses in the Red Sea lifted his staff and the waters parted and they crossed on dry ground. This one was different. This one took us to step in. It's one thing to wave a staff. It's another thing to put your foot in the water that could drown you. Now you understand something. You can settle by building a man-made bridge. But you'll never see the presence of God in that. So that we got to depend. So let me ask you this question. Because as we watch the ark and we step out, then God opens up that. Why was there a delay? Did you notice we said that earlier? I said earlier, I said they went, they went to the Jordan River and they stood there for three days. I don't know if you caught that. I made, obviously I brought some emphasis to that. But if you've read that before, maybe you asked the question. They landed at the river. They were there. Why wait three? I mean, that's a long time. If we're going to cross, we should like figure out a plan, build some boats, whatever that looked like. No, but that wasn't the plan. The plan was get there, be obedient when God says go. Three days they waited. Three days. You know what happened in those three days? See, it was springtime when the waters of the Jordan were at a peak. I need you to understand something. The snow was melting off the mountain into the river. And the, and the spring rains were also coming down. So actually the water was getting higher and higher every day. The mission was more difficult every day that they waited. God says, wait there. And he made them wait three days. And they looked at that river 
getting bigger and taller and wider and higher. And as they looked upon that river, two things could happen. One, oh, this is going to be good. God's going to show off even greater. Or in the natural, if you look at it in the natural, you're going, holy cow, this is getting worse. This is getting harder. This is becoming more difficult. You with me? And sometimes, look at me, Christians, if you call yourself a Christ follower, I need you to hear what I'm about to tell you because this could deliver you from a lot of heartache. Are you ready? Sometimes God gives you the moment, that delay, to allow you to wait and watch him work. Sometimes God... Sometimes God allows you to watch the obstacle so that you could see his goodness even clearer. They looked at the impossible becoming more impossible. Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation that looked impossible and then you had to wait? Causing the situation to look more impossible. (laughs) You ever been there? They're probably thinking to themselves, there's no way we can cross this land. How are we going to enter into Canaan? How are we going to conquer it? God wanted them to know thoroughly, it is going to be me and only me that's going to deliver you. So let me ask you this question. Are there any rivers going about your life that seem uncrossable? Do you have any problems that are facing you right now? Look at me. That seem like you don't have the ability or you are unable to conquer because within your own strength, you don't have what it takes. You see, what we have to remember is this. Things don't work out. God works out things. Things don't just work out. It's very easy to put that in a bumper sticker. God works out things. They don't just naturally happen. Sometimes we think that. We think they just naturally work. No, no, no. Patience and trust causes God to work out things. You think that it's just waiting it out. If I waited out long enough, if I just waited out long enough, if I just waited. No, no, no. When you are a believer following God, I need you to know something. God works out things. Do not live in denial. God has brought us to a place where we have to believe with him. Nothing is impossible in your marriage, in your finances, in your workplace, in your relationships. Nothing is impossible. We look at it like the Jordan River and we go, what am I staring at? I've been staring at this for days and nothing is happening. Nothing. I've prayed, I've sought, I've fasted, and why hasn't God come through? Why? Where is God? Why? You said you would work things out. 
friend, hang in there. Because impossible situations are often the preparation for greater manifestation. So that his glory may show. Preparation for a greater manifestation. How many get what I'm saying today? Sometimes that preparation stage is hard. But I tell you what, it preps us to believe greater things. See, the Jordan River was anywhere between 5 to 10 feet normally. But now we're into this season where uh, while they were there waiting, it was getting higher and higher. It was somewhere between 100 feet wide. And it was only getting deeper. Sometimes God wants to make it clear it's not you that works those things out. I posted something earlier this week that I just found very, very helpful. Because it's not easy to follow Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. In the world we live in, it's not easy to follow Jesus. And I posted this earlier this week. And here it is. Jesus fed 5,000, but only 500 follow him after lunch. He had 12 disciples, but only three went further into the garden. And only one stood with him at the cross. Did you get that? Only one. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowd becomes. I want to tell you something. The presence of God is some, not some good luck charm. That Ark of the Covenant was not some good luck charm. Because I want you to know something. We look at story after story. Uh, we look in the days of Eli where his son were ungodly spiritual leaders. And they thought they could just fix it with the Ark of the Covenant. If you need to look that story up, look up 1 Samuel chapter 4 is the reference point. Write that down, look at it later and understand this. They try to use the Ark of the Covenant as a good luck charm. Oh, the enemy's coming? We got this. Bring out the Ark. Take care of business. And guess what happened? God decided not to fight. And they, they lost many thousands of individuals that day. Because God is not your pet. And he is not at your becking call. And the Ark of the Covenant nor the presence of God is some sort of little good luck charm. God says, stop looking at me as if I'm here to benefit you. You are the creation and I am your creator. Know where I fit in your life. All right. The biggest problem with the church sometimes in general is delay. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But I want to go a step further. Delay can become decay for the believer. The longer you wait, the longer you sit, the longer you sit on it, the more decay tends to settle in. I'll go even a step further. Procrastination can be the assassination of your destination. This is for somebody today. I'm telling you what, when God gave me this word, I'm like... Preach this. He's like, preach this. I'm like, Lord, this is hurting me. Like, it hurts. And I'm sitting there typing like, oh, goodness gracious. Procrastination can be the assassination of your destination. 
do I have to print this right away? Or can I just wait? <laughs> you laugh, but I wasn't laughing. <laughs> because we've come to a place, the church has come to a place where they're just like, I'll wait, somebody else will do it. What if you were that someone else? Somebody else didn't do it before you. What if you're that someone else? Delay can become decay when we walk in disobedience. Is that helpful? Is that ouchful? Me too. Number two, sanctify yourselves. When he said sanctify yourself, you see already set your eyes on the ark and now sanctify yourselves. He told them first, watch the ark. You're going to follow the ark. And then while they're waiting, he says, sanctify yourselves. And in and, and verse 5 of chapter 3, for tomorrow the Lord will do great things or wonders among you. And I truly believe that we're in a season where God is going to do great things. He has set you. But this happens when we take up and commit ourselves. Because I tell you something, our responsibility is service to him. Amen. Amen. That's our responsibility. It's not anybody else's that I have to worry about me. When I stand before him one day, guess who I'm responsible for? Okay, everybody do this. And then do this. That's who you're responsible for. That's who you're responsible for. When you stand before God, it's not, but, but God, listen, the seats were not as comfortable as that church. But God, you don't understand. The AC was on and it was so cold there. But God, you can say all the but gods you want, but you'll be responsible for everything he's asked you to be responsible for. So you know what he's saying? He's saying sanctify yourselves, get your minds right and set. See, because I like what F.F. Bruce said. He said this, sanctification is glory begun, glory is sanctification completed. What is sanctification? Sanctification basically is a fancy word for set apart. You you hear me? Sanctification is set apart. It's the process in which God sets us apart from the rest of the world. Okay, case in point. If you ever had a little kid and you were feeding that kid, you know what tends to happen, right? You 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 got a little bowl, right? And you stir the God knows what is in that bowl, right? And you're stirring it. Little kid is sitting there with the bib, face plastered in baby food. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you take that little, you take the little spoon and you stir in it, and you're like, "What is that? Oh, what is that? Oh, it's healthy." It's a, and so you, I'm just being, real. I'm keeping it real, right? So you're like, "This is good. This is good for you." And usually mothers and people that feed, you're used to the smell. But if it's your first time, you're like, this is good. Oh, God, what is that? And so if you're like me, I was like this. Come here. Stay right there. Don't move. Don't move because this is coming in. Projectile. Here it comes. Like. (laughs) I don't want to come near it. (laughs) Right? Guys are the only ones doing planes, typically. No one's like, that's the mothers. The fathers are like, 
kids got the back of them throats bleeding and stuff. They're like, it was fun though. It was fun. Be careful who feeds your children. Mothers, like, help the dads, especially the first timers. Because they don't know how far back that thing should go. Like jamming it like cookie crisp. Just to jam up the roof of my mouth when I was a kid. It just messed me all up. What I'm saying is, when it's hot, what does the parent do? Or what does that server do? Because you don't want to burn them. It's preparation. Hello? You know, what, you know what that is? It's preparing to give you something. It's preparing so you receive it. Sanctification is the, pre- the preparation of the body of believers. God is preparing you for the next mission. And so he sets you apart and he prepares you so that when you go into that mission, you're prepared and you're ready. You've never seen an illustration like that before, have you? I haven't and it's all new to me too. But the preparation is what I'm talking about. Watch this. Sanctification, that preparation, right, is glory begun. And glory is that sanctification process completed. You will enter into a new glory of God when that sanctification is completed. I hope that's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for me. Let me say this with, let me say this to you. We cannot do divine work while walking in the flesh. We cannot do divine work. Who's with me? Who's got a few more minutes in you? Everybody's got a few more minutes in you? Listen, you cannot do divine work when you're operating in the flesh. So it's going to take obedience, and that's where sanctification comes in. That's why he said, sanctify yourselves. Why? Because while we're here for three days, instead of sitting and whining and complaining and looking at the water getting taller or wider or deeper. No, no, no. You worry about what's going on in here. Let God worry about the water. Some of y'all are so focused on the water, you don't sanctify yourselves and get ready for the process. You know what the sanctification was? The sanctification was not the process of the water. God got the water. The sanctification was getting ready for the other side of the water. The sanctification had nothing to do with the water. But you know what we do? We set our eyes on the water. We sit at the riverbank like this. Oh my goodness, I saw that log. Do you know how big that is? And it's, it's floating. It's floating. Do you know how deep it must be? Oh my goodness. Let me throw a big rock and see how long it takes. Oh my goodness. Padre Santo, dame So focused on the water. The sanctification process was not, had nothing to do with the water. It had everything to do with the other side. The promised land. But we're so focused on the water. God says, I got the water. That's my job. Stop doing my job. I'm good at it. I've been doing that for centuries. You just figured out how to work your DVR. 
I was not in my notes. <laughs> we become absurd in thinking that we can figure that out. We cannot do divine work while walking in the flesh. We expect to know everything God is doing in the flesh. Are you absurd? Like, we can't understand this thing. Stop trying to understand God in the flesh. Let him do the water work. I do the sanctification. Lord, help me to believe. Stop. Take your eyes off of the water. Sanctify yourself. Stop looking at your problem in front of you and get this part right. Because the promised land is coming. Are you hearing me? The promise is coming. The goodness of God will be revealed. But stop looking at the water. You can throw all the stones you want and figure out how deep the water is. How difficult the problem is. But I tell you what. If you could just sanctify yourselves and get ready. The other side is coming soon. Let God handle the water. And you handle you. God help us to be a people that are more focused on what we have to focus on. Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet. That means I'm preaching. Right? So, Israel consecrated themselves further going into battle. They knew that when they cross this Jordan, there's going to be opposition. Hello? How many know that there's opposition in your future? Raise your hand if you know this. If you're online right now, just put a little, just say, just put hand up. Type in the word hand up. Or if you got an emoji, put a little emoji with the hands up like this. That's me. Because everybody in this room, everybody online, and everybody listening to me on the podcast has to understand something. You won't cross the Jordan and yay, everything's perfect now. It won't be perfect because you have opposition and you will not be ready for that opposition if you don't get the sanctification part right. The more time you spend looking at the water, the less time you have looking internally and preparing yourself for the, what is ahead. Lord, the best thing I could do right now is not see. <laughs> the best thing I could do right now is not look at the water. In fact, sanctification is more like this. When I turn around and I start following, I'm going to make sure I know where am I looking for? The ark. That's all I need to know. The ark hadn't left yet. I could turn my back on the water. The ark hadn't left yet. But the moment the ark starts going, I need to go too. The moment the ark is moving, eyes on the ark. Keep a distance because that's what God commanded. And follow the ark. Somebody say follow the ark. Somebody say sanctify yourselves. That's what God is asking us to do. This requires a life set apart. Now watch this. The third thing, the third thing is step into the water. Everybody say step into the water. Joshua chapter 3 verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest on the waters. The waters of Jordan shall be cut off. And the waters that come from the upstream, they shall stand at a heap. Guess what? This is when God works. So the leadership steps out. And we follow. We follow. I love when God, when God gives us a vision as a church to do something and we see it happen. Like last year when we fed 50 families for Easter. 
I was like, yay, yay you, yay us. Thank God he's faithful. And then this year we looked at it and said, let's double that. And I scared myself. I literally scared myself. I sat, asked Pastor Corey, asked Rebecca. I even said to them, is 100 too much? I wanted somebody to bail me out because I felt like for me, I was staring at the water. Can I be honest with you? For a moment, I was staring at the water and I was going, is 100 too much? Ham is twice as much almost. Right? I'm looking at it going, twice the families. The price of everything has gone up. The price of air, I'm pretty sure, has gone up too. Like, that's twice as expensive as it was a year ago. Eso, right there. That was too much. Put some back. Preserved. That was dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even Debbie's like, no, Pastor, what is that? What are you talking about? <laughs> Got to preserve. What are you doing? Preserving. I'm hoping my, I'm hoping my car does that. <laughs> that was so dumb. But I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest with you. I sat at the staff meeting and I'm waiting for somebody to go, yeah, Pastor Tony, maybe we should drop it to 75, maybe. But I know what I heard. But I was looking at the water. You hear me? I know what I heard. But I was looking at the water. Okay. 100 it is. And that's not the first time that happened. If you've been with us long enough, you realize it's something we throw out there and everybody, you can always tell by how quiet the room is after you, like, we're going to do this. Like, if it's something we can attain, people are like, yeah, it's a great idea. If it's something that's difficult, people are like, that is an idea. <laughs> Why? Because we tend to look at the water. It's not till we step in. See, God will do wonders among them, but they have to activate that faith, just like you. Everyone has to pray. Everyone has to seek the face of God. Everyone has to sanctify themselves. So what happens? You know what happens? The questions of what if nothing happens, happens. What if I pray and nothing happens? The river's a mile wide. I'm staring at this water. Sometimes your f- situation feels like this is not what I signed up for or what I expected. But the patient are rewarded within the, within the context of obedience. The patient are rewarded in the context of obedience. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at your faces and you're like, what just happened? When God rewards us, it's because we stepped out and believed him. I like this quote. Maybe you want to throw this quote up on the screen here. This faith walk is both commitment and consistency. Watch this. Listen, this is good right here. Without commitment, we won't start. Without consistency, we won't finish. It takes commitment to start. And consistency to finish. They walked all the way to the they walked all the way to the Jordan River. They started, but consistency will sanctify 
and wait those three days till the priest can step out, step in, the waters part, and all of a sudden now I continue. Consistency gets you there. Is this helping anybody? All right, hang with me for just another moment. Watch this. There's a difference between the generation of Israelites that were the forefathers that stood at the Red Sea 40 years prior. The enemy was there. The giants were there. All that stuff, they were looking at the giants. They were looking at this. They were looking at that. Every time we look at scripture, there's, usually there's an enemy and God delivers us. You know what sometimes the biggest enemy is? You look at the story. In the Red Sea, it was Pharaoh and his armies. When David was standing in front of Goliath, it was Goliath. At the Jordan, there was no enemy. You know who was the enemy? Me. The enemy in a me. The, the thoughts that run through your head. What if God doesn't come through? What if God... That is the biggest enemy of many of our faith. Oh, it's, it's a lot easier to stare at the enemy, Goliath. It's a lot easier to look at the river and go, you know what? You know what? There's something chasing me. God deliver me. It's a lot easier to be in the lion's den and see God shut the mouths because you watch it. But in this instant, you're forced to watch yourself. God, what if, what if I got this wrong? The biggest struggle, are you hearing me? The biggest struggle is keeping our mind on the promise. When there's a giant, we have an enemy that we can see. When there's, a, when there's an army chasing me, there's an enemy I could see. The biggest problem here is that I'm staring at a river that I don't know how I'm going to cross. God says, sanctify yourself. Don't worry about the water. Are you with me? Media team, help me out. When we look at the, when we look at the water and we look at in everything in front of us, that you're forced to look at one or the other. You can look at the water or you can look at God. The biggest struggle is that we become this shifting. We look here, we look there, we look here, we look there, we look here, we look there. And we drive ourselves batty. And we're like, I don't know what to believe anymore. Pick one. For crying out loud, pick one. If it's the wrong one, let God come to you and tell you, believe in me and then choose him. But don't drive yourself crazy. Pick one and follow it. You say, well, what if I pick the wrong one? If you're asking God while you're in it, he will lead you. But you got to pick something and move with it. At the same reason, we look at the Red Sea versus the Jordan River. Both were crossing bodies of water, but only one was entering the promise. So how do we get to that promise? Three simple things that I just told you. You ready? Set your eyes. Sanctify yourselves. And step into the water. Say it with me. Set your eyes, 
sanctify yourselves. Step into the water. Now say it to yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, when you say it, say it to yourself. Say, self, set your eyes. Sanctify yourself. And step into the water. You know what's interesting? It doesn't say, let God sanctify you. Did you notice when Joshua went to the people? He didn't say, pray and let God sanctify you. Why? Everyone look at me. Three minutes and I'm going to close. You ready? Three minutes, I'm going to close. Best three minutes of your life. You ready? He said, sanctify yourselves because this. Sanctification is a decision. It's a decision pro-God. A decision toward God. You have a decision to look at the water or a decision to look to God. I'm asking you today, consider looking at God. Set your eyes on him. Sanctify yourself. Get your mind right. And then step into the water. Now you say, Pastor Tony, it was the priest that stepped into the water. Yes, but they were asked to follow the priest. So in the same way, you have to step. Same direction they step. And step into your greatest destiny. Stand with me all across this room. Hallelujah. Oh God. If you feel comfortable doing so, and I hope you do, just lift up your hands all across this room just for a moment. You say, Pastor Tony, I don't normally do this. That's okay. Just give it a shot. If you feel uncomfortable, put it right back down. But for a moment, just for a moment, ask God, God, help me to step in to that water. Believe you. The sanctification is the step up part. The stepping in is that obedience and action. Because a lot of people can talk a good talk, but not many people walk a good walk. If you, if you, don't, if you don't step in, you're not walking right. So let's ask God right now with our hands lifted all across this room. If you're at home online right now, I, I'm asking you right now at home to just lift up your hands wherever you are. If you're on your phone, put your phone down and lift your hands. If you're in this room, lift up your hands. If you're listening right now online, if you're driving, don't lift up your hands. But just pray with me. I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus, I set my eyes on you. Help me to make good decisions in my life. I want to follow you. I want to talk like you. I want to think like you. Help me to sanctify myself. And God, when you say go, help me to step in. In Jesus' name. too focused on the water sometimes 
Come on, take a moment. Just be honest with God. Just right where you are. Just for 30 seconds. Tell God, sometimes, God, I focus on the water too much. I focus on the trial in front of me. I, I don't step out. God, help me to step up and step in. I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient. Come on, I'm with you right now. Father, bless these people as they walk with you. We love you, Jesus. We want to make good decisions in our lives. Help us to always come to you with the decisions we need to make. But my goodness, we can't sit waiting around forever. God, we want to work for you. We want to do for you. We want to walk into our promise. But if you say, stand by the water and wait for me, we will wait. When we are weak, you are strong. In Jesus' name.